Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Yeah, that's how the show starts now. But before we get into it, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by... VHS Glitch. Not too much is known about this synthwave producer, but VHS Glitch has just come out with his first album, Evil Technology. An album full of different types of genres and atmospheres over the course of 13 tracks is going to immerse you in a dark sci-fi world. You can give it a listen or buy it at www.vhsglitch.bandcamp.com and find them on Facebook at facebook.com vhs.glitch. That's VHS Glitch and his new album, Evil Technology. That's a pretty kick-ass album. Now let's start the show. Welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth. My name is Andy Last. Welcome. I have two guests today, so it's a special occasion. I'm going to be doing this from time to time. On the show today is Vector Sector and Hauer. One of them from the States and one of them from Ireland. I'll let you guess which one's which when the show starts. And before we get to the conversations, uh, let's get through a little bit of business here. Please like the Beyond Synth Facebook page. It makes me feel great. And also follow me on Twitter. I am at Andy Last on Twitter. And what else? Uh, SoundCloud. If you listen to the show on SoundCloud, please like it. Uh, please share. Please comment. I like to see a lot of activity on there. And here's the thing I just thought of. If there's anybody you actually want to be on the show... Uh, feel free to tweet at them and send them messages. Uh, you know, I do my own bit of soliciting to get guests on the show. Not as much as you'd probably think, but I do. You know, it might help to persuade people if they get messages saying, you know, like, hey, you should do Beyond Synth, you should be on Beyond Synth, you know, power in numbers. If they see that there's this sort of loyal fan base and there's these people saying, hey, do the show, do the show, you know, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll consider, who knows? What am I actually asking you to do? I think I'm asking you to tweet at Mitch Murder and Laserhawk. 
I hope you have a lovely day. I don't know why I'm signing off because we're just starting. So please enjoy my conversation with Vector Sector. I'm here today with Vector Sector. Do you like me to say it like that, or you want me to say Vector Sector? Uh, more of a Vector Sector myself, but you <laughs> could say it however, you know, you Canadians say it. <laughs> John Gray Vogel is your name. That's right. So is your first name John hyphen Gray? Gray was a nickname that I had had from the early 90s up till about 2000. And there was some people that didn't even know my name was John. So I kind of helps clarify on the social media. Wait, wait, they thought your name was Gray? Right, like everybody called me that. And there were people that met me and our entire friendship's long. They only knew me as Gray. Well, they didn't think that that was like a weird name to add. I always ask questions about people's names. If I met a guy who was called Gray, I'd probably like go like, what kind of name is Gray? I guess it never occurred to him, or, 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 you know, I guess I, you know, may have had that conversation with some people or whatever, you know, but yeah, I don't remember now. It's been 20 years. Is there many people named Gray in Indianapolis? <laughs> Uh, no, no. Tell me about Indianapolis. Oh, gosh. What can I say about Indianapolis? Is that where the racetracks is? Is? Yeah, there are. There are (laughs) racetracks here, so you better like that. Do you like that? No, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) I try not to decry anybody's particular hobby or interest. I don't ride horses either (laughs) or Mm. anything, but, you know, whatever you get into, you know. The Indy 500. Right. And then there's the, uh... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying words that uh, pop into my head. Right, right. Well, where do you live again? What city do you live in? I live in Toronto, the biggest city in Canada with a whole two and a half million people. Wow. That's the biggest one. Haven't been to that one. It's the biggest. <laughs> You're like the Texas of Canada. Well, technically, I think the Texas of Canada is the province of Alberta because that's where all the cowboys are. Oh, are they the biggest? No, but they're the Texas. As in, they're the Texas because they're the cowboys. We're we're comparing Texas for different reasons here. Right, right. Let's talk about NASCAR for a moment. I'm just kidding. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I want to railroad this this whole conversation so it's all about IndyCar racing. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to talk about the Pacers or uh, the other teams of athletics. I can't even fake my way through a sports conversation. Right. I'm like struggling to come out with my own city's teams. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I used to do that when I when I had a normal job and I would uh, listen to people talk sports and I just see up here, you know, they talk a lot about hockey surprise. Basically, it's just a list of like Russian sounding names, uh-huh. like Eastern European name. Like that's what a hockey conversation is. <laughs> I sort of boiled it down to that, so it's a lot of, uh, oh, it's too bad they traded Petronov for Milanov. <laughs> that reminds me of, like, because I work in an office with several people, and they will talk sports, and just every now and then I would just make up a name. I'd be like, I'll tell you who's looking good, though, is Jerry Edmonds. <laughs> Nobody's, nobody can stop Jerry Edmonds. You know, and I would just make up a name and be like, <laughs> oh, is that the guy over from, you know, Houston? I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's up and coming. He's up and coming. <laughs> I just like the sentence, nobody can stop Jerry Edmonds. <laughs> so, man, what does John Gray Vogel do for fun? Is that Vogel, is that any relation to... The only other Vogel I've ever read about is the uh, this, the other half of the Mortal Kombat team. Right. right. There was Ed Boone and there was John Vogel. Are you related to John Vogel? <laughs> No, I'm not that I'm aware of. Technically, no. you're John Vogel. Yes, and I've seen others. I I remember even as a kid, I you know some music video had a credit on it, and like the lighting producer was John Vogel. I guess it's a name bound for the industry. I don't know. Plus, there's a Vogel that makes like synthwave music. He just goes by the name Vogel. So did he steal your idea? <laughs> I should have stole his idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it because your name is John Vogel that you love the film Mortal Kombat Annihilation so much? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is called the many questions fallacy. That is like asking, <laughs> so so did you stop beating your wife? Because that implies that at one time, yes, indeed, you beat your wife. <laughs> I read that in a philosophy book. Tell me more about this philosophy book. This is what happens when I don't have questions written down. I think it was uh, called like the Dictionary of Philosophy or something and just had a bunch of like quick articles or things about philosophical nuggets. It wasn't like Kierkegaard volume or anything. It was kind of like Philosophy for Dummies that I, one of the first books I ever read actually on the subject. Speaking of uh, philosophical nuggets, how do you feel about uh, chicken nuggets? This <laughs> 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 is the stupidest interview I've ever done, by the way. Yeah, chicken nuggets, you know, I, I tell you what, I'm going to I'm gonna reserve comment until all the facts are in. Oh, you mean we're talking about that pink goo stuff? I tell you what, man, I have stopped eating a lot of red meat since the pink slime story a bit and stuff. I'm like, no, no, I'm good on the McDonald's cheeseburgers for sure. You know what? I actually stopped eating because of those videos as a pink slime. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I cut it all out. You know what? If you just stop watching the videos, you don't have to give up the slime. Yeah. It was crazy. After seeing that thing, I had to stop eating pink slime and I had to stop eating videos. (laughs) So tell me about you. Um, (laughs) I don't eat pink slime either. Yeah. (laughs) When was the last time you stopped beating pink slime? Oh, that's meaningless. Um, so you, sir, make music under uh, several monikers. I like to use the word moniker. Mm-hmm. So explain to me the the difference then. So you you have Vector Sector, and you also have a thing called Merkbox. Merkbox was first, and the quick difference would be Merkbox is all horror of any genre 
you know, musically, I'll do like electro or breakcore or noise or glitch or whatever, as long as it's horror, kind of sci-fi, and then vector sectors, specifically retro. Right. And it's not necessarily horror, although the one song everybody likes the most is the horror one, so. Specifically, there was a track called Night of the Chris Kringle Killer. Yeah. Well, that was for a compilation for a British label, I guess, or they're a net label, so they have people from all over the world, but um, uh, Graveyard Calling, and they had done a, a Christmas compilation, so that was my contribution. And they're a strictly horror label, so. <laughs> Shark Noir. That is kind of like a digital art slash video house <laughs> that I started, but I don't do a whole lot with. Um, I've done a couple of people's albums or I did some cassette art. You know, a lot of my own vector sector art and the Merkbox stuff. And then I've made about a dozen or so music videos, a couple for myself. And then like I did a one for um, Dance with the Dead and some other people. But uh, I just do that on the side for fun. So then what got you on the path of doing the Vector Sector thing then? <laughs> I had noticed that the Merkbox tracks the last spring of 2013, I started noticing as I was working on the tracks, they were all starting to sound super 80s. You know, I'm 41 now, so the 80s were really my prime as far as pop culture and all that stuff goes. Mm -hmm. And then this uh, local celebrity who was a late night horror host in my city mm -hmm. uh, named Sammy Terry, which is like cemetery, he died. He died after a long life here. I was like, that is it. You know, I've got to put something together and have that midlife crisis where I go back to my childhood and roll up in a cocoon and uh, <laughs> and just relive all the great things and all that stuff. And I just knew I wanted to do something old school like that. And I didn't even know that there was a synthwave scene happening or anything like that. Somebody said, hey, uh, this is, you know, the stuff you're doing. You should check out the synthetics webpage. So I did, and I was like, well, holy hell. I mean, there's a whole lot going on here, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's the midlife crisis going? <laughs> it's going fine. That's been the, the peak of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just recently bought a huge tub of Lego. You know, the, the guy who sold it like, oh, your kid's going to have like a lot of fun with this. I'm just like, yeah, my kid. Yeah. <laughs> no, they were for me. They, it was Lego for me. My parents still have two large storage tubs full of the Legos that we collected when we were kids. So pretty much every time I go down there a couple times a year, we get out the Legos with the grandchildren and play Legos. It is awesome. I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of Lego, although I'm a bit of a purist. You don't like it when people go off board and start variating on the instructions and stuff. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I I like to to like I'm not really an instructions guy. Like I like to build, but I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to like the pieces and the colors and stuff. You would say a uh, like a Lego Nazi or Lego racist. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, I bought all this this Lego from this dude, and it was like secondhand. It was a lot, like quite a quite a lot. And there's all this Lego like colors I'd never seen in Lego before. You know, like these uh, pastels and oh. fluorescent orange, and you know, like yeah. And then those weird pieces that are where it's not about like building the cool thing anymore. It's like it just comes already. Like here's a right. pre-made spaceship base, you know, and it's just like already done. And I'm like, well, I thought the cool thing was to to build the thing, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, the piece is so highly specialized. <laughs> It's only, you can only use it for the intended purpose. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of the new spaceship things, like they're cool, but then the whole like rocket boosters and things, like they're all just these very complex looking things that is, it's only a rocket booster. Like that's all it is. It's not, it's nothing else. It can only be clipped to the ship this way. Yeah. There's weird things. Like it's all the cars. If you buy like Lego cars now, they're made like in the box. Like you open up the box and it's made already. <laughs> that's dumb. It is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. So I love to build and I like to build cats castles and things and spaceships because I am a child. Well, you know, what would probably drive you crazy is uh, there are the random Tyco pieces in my parents' bins uh, as well. You know? Yeah, I'm one of those guys. I filter them out. That's where the Lego Nazi part comes in because <laughs> right. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show or not. Anyway, at one point I bought about 100 pounds of Lego, right? And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of it, like it was great at the start, you know, like dumping it out and rolling in it and such. But a lot of it was like Bionicle. Oh, this dude yeah. had Bionicle. And I think this stuff's worthless. Like I've tried to resell it. Oh, maybe someone will be interested in this Bionicle. <laughs> and nobody, yeah. nobody wants it. I've got, you know, like the big Ziploc bags. I've got like 12 of those full of Bionicle pieces. <laughs> And I literally, nobody wants them. Nobody wants, nobody wants Bionicle. It's worthless. So I'm just going to keep it for movie props. Like if I make like space band costumes or whatever, I'm just going to like glue Bionicle pieces for detail uh, on the things. Oh, that's great. The point is someone needs to come buy this Bionicle. And also. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was your, your personal <laughs> Craigslist. <laughs> that's what Beyond Synth is all about. It's a place where I can hawk my shit. Right. I need to offload some Bionicle. I've got uh, 12 bags sorted by color. <laughs> I need to offload a collection of old Doctor Who VHS tapes, which I no longer need because they've all been replaced by DVD. What else do I have to sell? I'm sure there's more. Anyways, let's talk about you again. Well, I have some CRT monitors I'm looking to let go. <laughs> <laughs> In 2012... I sold, finally, the last remnants that anybody would buy of my DVD collection. Mm. I have a handful left because, you know, I mean, dying media or whatever. I just was, whatever. I Access is better than ownership. I learned that from a TED Talk. So... <laughs> <laughs> But then in 2014, I started buying up VHS tapes. <laughs> so 
So if I ever did get into collecting anything, it would probably be like toy robots, like like fifties robots. Yeah, I love those things. Do you have Do you have any urge to start a collection of sixty five Doctor Who VHS tapes? <laughs> 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 no, but I am interested in uh, whatever you have in the chicken nugget department. Oh, I'll send you buckets and buckets of the pinkest <laughs> slime. Awesome. That's the funny thing about me and this scene, because I, you know, I love all the 80s stuff. I love all the 80s sounds. I love retro things. I don't have a huge love for bad graphics. <laughs> the same with sort of the VHS thing, because cassettes to CDs was different because cassettes did give a different sound, you know, like there was something warmer about a cassette tape than a, than a CD, which CDs felt like tinnier to me and stuff. Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, it got better. Mm -hmm. The idea when people want to uh, put their albums on cassette and stuff like that makes sense to me because it's it is different. But DVDs to VHSs was never any competition. Like the first time I watched the DVD, I was like, and I went back and watched my VHSs. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like I liked seeing everything clearly and I liked the the sound and it just, and uh, you know, there's all this stuff about VHS tapes that I always resented and I just really enjoyed DVDs. How when you put them in the machine, you didn't have to rewind the tape because you always forgot to rewind the tape you know there's that whole thing like i always hated that rewinding the fucking tape well now you don't even have to handle the dvd you can just stream it from your server or something like that right so mm -hmm. are you excited about that or do you like the physical construct i still like to have a physical thing and i'll say because two was it two years ago or three years ago the playstation network did a funny thing and that was on the playstation 3 and some stupid thing to do with the internal clock of the PlayStation was mismatched to the fucking real world clock or some dumb thing. And then when April Fool's... No, it was one of the months where February had an extra day or something. Uh -huh. I'm assuming that month would have been February. So February had this extra day, right? Like it does every four years. And it fucked up the internal clock, which fucked up the whole thing, the network and everything. Mm -hmm. Like for some reason, it confused the PlayStation. And I couldn't play any games. The downloadable games wouldn't work. So because of that experience, I just remember going, you know what? It's still nice to have the stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. just in case, because at any moment with your downloadable content, there could just be like some weird glitch in the internet. And then it's like, oh, you... Well, you can't play any of your games. Like, well, fuck you. I mean, like a bottom. I'm not saying fuck you to you, but. Right. Fuck you. No, no. No, Andy. Fuck you. Because I'll tell you why. Tell me about the track. Uh, this is one I liked. One of your Vector Sector tracks called Sonar Mode. I think it was one of the first things I ever started for Vector Sector, actually. One of my bigger influences, which I've talked about before as far as retro music, is actually my best friend Brian, and uh, he just had his thing come out on Giallo Disco last month, I think, under uh, Unit Black Flight. So initially, the Vector Sector thing was pretty much geared specifically for like a John Carpenter action movie slash horror film. You know, that was going to be my thing. And then I realized realized that when I kind of got into the scene more, I was like, well, I don't have to limit myself. I can do some of the Dreamwave stuff that I've been thinking about as well. And and so Vector Sector was kind of the first thing that kind of crossed over where I was like, okay, this is going to start out as like kind of a, a mission song with this sonar beep or whatever. But then I'm going to like, you know, expand it out into this kind of like Dreamwave or whatever you want to call it. I guess that's the best thing I could say to explain 
where the song kind of came from. Are you fiddling with something? Yes, I will put that down. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I just snapped right back to fifth grade. That was awesome. Was that a comb? It sounded like you're like flipping through the teeth of a comb. That's what I was doing. Wow, I'm hey, I called that, man. You did. You nailed it. I hope you're not saying that in defense because you're actually doing something weirder. <laughs> What did you think it was? Yes, yes, that was it. That was it. <laughs> it wasn't my zipper at all. Man, do you play D&D? Yeah, I just started again. Tell me about that. Well, I played it in my early 20s a little bit. Played it again 10 years later for a few months. And then just quite recently, uh, one of my co-workers was like, Hey, uh, you know my dungeon master. You went to high school with him. So I was like, no shit. Ended up going over there to hang out. And uh, man, they were like excited to have another player. So I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll think about it or whatever. Next time I showed up, they had a character sheet all ready for me and stuff. And so I was like, all right, I guess I'm playing D&D. &D. And I've been having a ball with it. Because I've never played. I know, um, I mean, we all uh, have our own sort of nerdy pursuits. And I've, I've never played D&D. &D. I'm aware of what it is. Like, what's the appeal? Ex explain it to me. I guess it depends on, on who you ask. It's, you know, it's like theology because everybody has their own perspective on it. Some people I've played with, it's really boring because they just basically just want to roll battles the whole time. For other people, it's more of a story thing. That's what I appreciate. And so it's, it's really, it's not the game. You have to find the right people to play with the people that want to experience the game the same way that you do. No, that totally makes sense. I think, uh, <laughs> this is not D and D, but I can see the appeal of what you're saying with the story. I remember, um, back uh, on the N64, I used to play, uh, you know, those, I mean, besides Goldeneye and Perfect Dark and stuff, I played uh, those wrestling games. Oh, uh -huh. and I'm not a fan of wrestling at all. 
But uh, the games on the N64 were fun because you could, um, I'm talking about uh, WrestleMania 2000 and, and, and those ones, because you could change every character in the game. And on WrestleMania 2000, you could change everybody. So I did, right? We made up these ridiculous characters. They all had silly names. Like, so, you know, there was no rock and they were all these made up <laughs> gibberish characters. And mm-hmm. we just get stoned and just make up these elaborate stories <laughs> as to like... I mean, we were high as hell. I mean, it's not like it wasn't with like a bit of irony, but, you know, like we were sitting there and we made like this whole league of robots because like one of the characters could be the uh, like the fighting dummy. And so those were robots. And so like every time they'd like win a fight, they'd convert one of the other players into a robot that would join their robot league. That's pretty elaborate. It wasn't until like Skyrim or, uh, you know, like the Elder Scrolls series that started to deliver like the experience that I wanted in sort of like RPG storytelling, like those sort of big open worlds where you were in control of the fights. Mm -hmm. I think it was that whole turn-based thing that always was weird to me because I always focused more on the mechanics. And then I saw those mechanics in like the the JRPG games where people were like, oh, you know, Final Fantasy is really good. I'm like, yeah, but I don't like that I'm not swinging the sword. You know what I mean? Like I I never really got into the role-playing aspect of it, but I appreciate that they would always have these sort of complex stories around them, but I was always waiting for that game. And that's why when Elder Scrolls came along, I was just like, oh my god, like I was so excited because I was like, they've I think they finally like made the game I've always wanted, you know, where you even though the fighting mechanics really are kind of sloppy, but it's still like you're still doing it. Yeah, I definitely like that better. Well, I didn't play any of the games like Final Fantasy. This really wasn't RPGs really weren't my thing either until Elder Scrolls, I think. Although I did play original Xbox title. It was a Star Wars title. Oh, oh, um, yeah, the uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Yes, I loved both of those games, even though they had that same turn-based combat. Yeah, I've never played those, but I've heard uh, very good things about them. They were a lot of fun, and uh, I think it had it was the second one you could start with the, you know, you could have the dual wielding. That was what I loved, running around with two red lightsabers, you know. <laughs> that was before the days of the Clone Wars. Before the Empire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You mean you mean long before the uh, the best film in the series, Attack of the Clones? Uh, do you remember uh, Attack man. of the Clones? I do remember Attack yeah. of the Clones. My favorite part was that clone attack that never happened. <laughs> right. It's fine if you're going to give a movie a stupid title, but I mean, like, have a clone attack. There was a clone rescue at the end for about 10 minutes. Wasn't necessarily an attack, more than it was a rescue led by Yoda. <laughs> right. You know, I, I would consider myself a fan because I will endure the shitty aspects of the thing because I'm a fan of the whole thing. Like, I've seen the prequels more than once, and I hate them. Yeah. I've probably seen Phantom Menace like several times, and I do not like that movie. I will say this. There have been some amazing advances in the fields of fan edits. <laughs> I've seen people take the three prequels and edit it into, you know, a pretty decent Star Wars movie. For a while there, especially, I was really getting into the fan edits of, of various movies. People do a lot of neat things. I just think those prequels are kind of beyond saving. I mean, like, I've seen these edits, but it still doesn't save, like, the way everyone acts in those films. Like, it's so hard to edit around yeah. terrible acting like it's just it's frustrating to me do you have hopes for the new one i have hopes for a lot of upcoming projects but i don't i'm not unreasonable like i think that because i've i have a friend who's like huge like he's just like man this film's gonna be the best thing ever and i'm like i i want to believe that 
I don't think it is going to be, but I think it's going to be better than the prequels, and that's kind of all that matters. It's <laughs> just to have a Star Wars film that's just better than those, so at least there'll be like a new piece of Star Wars that I will like happily put in the machine. I think with Star Wars, I would have been more interested, instead of prequels for like Vader and all that stuff, I would have been more interested if they'd gone back like even longer ago to like when there was thousands of Jedis and thousands of Sith and all that, that would have been a much more interesting time frame. What George Lucas proved with the prequels is you can spoil anything that was cool. If you overexplain things, you, you don't want to see Boba Fett as a kid. Like what makes Boba Fett cool is that you don't know what's under the helmet and you don't know right. anything about him. That's why he's cool. Oh, and his dad wore that outfit, so that's why he's dressed like that. Like, I hate the prequel idea that, and this is what the trap of a lot of prequels, is the need to explain things as fan service. I mean, that's what Star Wars prequels are full of, right? It's like this fan service. Oh, wouldn't it be neat if C-3PO was made by Anakin? Well, it's not neat. It's stupid. Yeah, it's really stupid, yeah. Yeah, actually, we should probably... uh to get back to you here, <laughs> do you have anything uh, coming up or anything you want to talk about for Vector Sector? I do have the Remix EP coming out soon with contributions from Vestron Vulture and uh, Dan Terminus, Tommy Creep, a few other people. Uh, it's going to be out on Workstat probably sometime this fall. I'm working on some music for some other labels, but I'm keeping it all under the wraps right now until I can get some stuff done. So... I'm just working in the background right now. Cool, man. That's all very uh, exciting stuff. <laughs> you sounded like Johnny Carson. You're like, that's weird, wild stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> that's what I need. I need an Ed McMahon. Right. I could just do it myself. Right. That would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> I end up having a partner on the show and it is just me. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Prequels really do suck, don't they? Yes. <laughs> You are correct, sir. <laughs> Anyways, dude, well, it was good talking to you. Yes. And I hope you have a lovely <laughs> have a lovely day in Indianapolis. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not even doing it on purpose. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope you have fun flipping through combs over there. All right. You have fun in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Andy. All right. Take care. And that was Vector Sector. We had a lot of fun. I enjoyed that conversation. Around the midpoint, well, we're at the midpoint of the show now, I had this elaborate plan. You see, I just received a phone bill from my previous phone cable provider, and they keep on sending me bills, and I canceled like five months ago. So I was going to record the conversation and play it here because I was going to call them and be all very angry and sarcastic. So I had it all set up. Everything was planned. I was like, hey, man, why are you sending me bills? I canceled like five months ago. Anyways, after a couple minutes, uh, it turns out that I wasn't really looking at the bill correctly and it was a negative amount. And in fact, my cable company owed me money. So I will not be playing that phone call. I will instead be playing my conversation with John Rooney, the man behind Hauer. And just in case you were wondering, he's the one from Ireland.
All right, I'm here today with John Rooney, a.k.a. Hauer, right? You pronounced it all right, Andy. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start. How are you doing, man? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. What's the weather like in Ireland today? Same as it always is. Gray and drizzly. How's Canada? Today's sunny, but I got to say this. Since most of my hobbies actually take place inside, yeah. I've always liked rainy days. <laughs> Well, uh, we have something in common then. When it's sunny, there's a little bit of guilt that you're not outside. Yeah, you have to go out, don't you? Yeah, and so if you play video games, like all of my hobbies is video games or video editing or whatever. It's all indoor stuff, and so when it's rainy, it almost gives you that um, that permission to do it. That's true. So if I lived in Ireland, I think I would uh, get a lot of games played. Oh, you get loads down here. That's why I get so much done. Yeah. <laughs> So the only thing I know about Ireland is um, potatoes. That's a thing, right? All right, okay, that's a start. Of course, we have potatoes <laughs> here, so it's not... Uh... But they're not as good. Oh, are they better in Ireland? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just focus all on the Irish for this whole thing. Sure, okay. Well, actually, because you are the first person who I've uh, spoken to from Ireland. So there you go. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a big international scene, man. It's exciting. It's true. It's starting to get big here, you know. Well, it has been big for quite a while. Well, yeah, that's what I was actually going to talk to you a lot about because uh, when I was doing my uh, minimal amount of research, I was sort of looking at all the... Uh... <laughs> The live shows and things that, that you've been doing yeah, and things like that. So that, that interests me because, uh, you know, a lot of people I talk to don't necessarily do live performance. See, I thought that would sort of separate me. Not in any way I'm above anybody else, but I thought that would really help get it out there. It would separate me from other artists, you know, playing live. is a, it's, it's a better way to reach an audience. Tell me about Hauer then. Why the name Hauer? Are we talking Rutger Hauer here? Or? Oh, yeah, I stole it off him, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was trying to find a name for ages and then it just came under my head and that no one else seemed to have it. Well, a few other people who are actually called Hauer have the name, but I decided to put the, the two dots above the U. So it's pronounced differently. I don't know how you pronounce it, but... Would you like to try? It could be pronounced uh, Hauer in Germany. <laughs> I'm not sure. That means something else over here. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing. I, I use that pronunciation sometimes if I'm trying to be funny. Like, <laughs> you fucking hooer. <laughs> well, we can pronounce it that way for a whole interview if you like. Excellent. <laughs> Just to add a comedy element. <laughs> Tell me more about hooer. Um, hooer started maybe about <laughs> started maybe about two years ago. I think it was when I first heard Calm Trues, to be honest. Mm. It was on my friend was playing it through his speakers uh, off some music blog, and I just immediately stopped what I was doing and just asked, "Who is that?" He says, "Some." It was an English guy, so I'll do an accent for him. He's like, "Yeah, it's, uh, it's come true, isn't it?" He's like, uh, <laughs> "Tell me more." I didn't know everything about this guy, so I just became obsessed with him, and I tried to make some free time and just sat down and started making the music. You are also a visual artist as well. I don't know if you would call me a visual artist. I'm, I'm an illustrator and designer. Well, what would you define as visual art then? I, I just say that to mean artist, I suppose. <laughs> Wait, is an all art visual? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was a poorly worded question. <laughs> so I hear that you're an illustrator. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Explain um, what you would actually call what, what it is you do do like you're you're illustrating because i was looking on the website and i mean we call them cityscape illustrations or something but they're these sort of like these complex looking black and white line things of cities kind of morphed it's hard to if you had to put it into words what would you 
say it is that you do? I've been thinking about it, and it's um, just say that film, uh, The Thing, you know, the John Carpenter film. Mm-hmm. It's like the spaceships out of Star Wars mutating into The Thing, or vice versa. <laughs> That's kind of only, only way I can explain it. I don't know where it comes from. Probably from Star Wars and The Thing, but... But they're like uh, cities and stuff. Yeah, well, there's loads of household items, like kettles and toasters thrown in if you look closely. But uh, you have to look really close. So you were doing that stuff first? I mean, like, were you a musician before or was it like listening to this stuff that said like, hey, I'll have a go at this? I think the whole obsession with synth music began was my dad taped Escape from New York for me when I was about eight years old. I watched it. I didn't think it was that good of a film back then. Mm-hmm. It's really dark and gloomy and depressing. But it was just <laughs> like the music. Yeah, The music really, really... I don't know, it's just something different about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was really fascinated by it. And like, all their films sort of followed after that, like Blade Runner, obviously. Yeah. A few Michael Mann films that were really, really bad, but I mean, the soundtracks were so memorable and they just stuck with me afterwards. Didn't necessarily make music for a long time because it wasn't really in fashion. They make synth music in the late 90s, early 90s. But then, as I said, after I heard Boards of Canada, Calm Trues, then I thought I'd give it a go myself. I had the same sort of thing with my childhood, but for me it was... Well, Legend was a big one. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a Tangerine Dream, is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The soundtrack to Legend. You know, there are movies that just have these scores. That's the way I feel about kind of movies now, hmm. is a lot of the scores are very forgettable. It's like they're just going through the motions of like, here's what a movie score is. I feel exactly the same. It's just, it's very formularic, isn't it? Yeah. And like in the 80s, it just felt like they tried harder to have themes. Like I love when movies have themes. Like, you know, when you watch Robocop and it's got like a theme song. It's very rare. Very rarely find that nowadays. Yeah. It just, it, when when I would hear stuff with synths, it just felt special to me. That's true, yeah. It felt, there was more emotion there. Not not saying like the the string scores had no emotion, but there was just something special about synth scores, as you said. What is Castle Palooza? Um, I actually played a festival there last weekend, and it was the wettest day I've ever experienced in my life. It was horrible. It's a great festival, but... Ooh. It was horrible to be at. They took the country somewhere. It's at a big castle. It's called Casapalooza. I got there and it was just, it didn't stop raining the entire day. I would, Luckily, I was playing in a big tent at the time and I got a good crowd. Perhaps because they were coming in out of the rain. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. well, it sounds like fun, though. Uh, well, speaking about the music, tell me about your first EP, The Infinitesimal. It took me a long time to get that, to get that finished. I was just sort of getting the grips of the the software when I first started writing that EP. Right. And it just took me so long to finish it up. You know, I was learning as I, as I went along. But I remember I had about four songs and my friend said, my housemate at the time said, just not enough pumping songs on there. So I said, okay, I'll write you a song with a high tempo. Yeah. And then I wrote <laughs> Heli. <laughs> they kept at me about it. like So I wrote that song Helicop. And I think that's, that's probably my favorite off the EP. Just like... Sort of lifts above everything else.
So that EP has more of a soundtracky kind of feel to it. Uh-huh. So does that just come from what you were saying before, like just being inspired by those kind of soundtrack kind of sounds? It's very fragmented, you know, it's just each song could be a piece of music out of a film. I suppose I wasn't really thinking about the live aspect when I was writing that EP, but I tried with a new EP to write more sort of faster high tempo songs that people could move to. Not necessarily dance, but just move about more and enjoy the live set more. What is The Shifters? <laughs> How did you find out about that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Shifters is, um, it's a band, it's a cover band I'm in. And we do lots of uh, 50s and 60s rock and roll. But surely if uh, if you've researched The Shifters, you must know about Shift. No, no I don't. No? No. Jesus, Shift's like uh, the big one. Shift's an 80s hair metal cover band. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see, uh, I have to explain here. Um, Shift in Ireland means kiss. If you're uh, shifting someone, you're kissing them. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean for it to get this derogatory, but here we go. You know, me and my friends were watching Spinal Tap one time and we thought it'd be really funny if we formed a band like that. You know, we just done all cover cover songs of all those 80s hair metal Mm -hmm. and pretended like things went wrong on stage and used the English accents. And we obviously do a lot of kiss songs, you know, kiss and shift. Right, right. It has meaning here. But I can see why other people in other countries would get confused. Yeah, that's a new one for me, man. Shift. <laughs> well, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun, actually. We we do a lot of weddings, and people seem to really enjoy it. So, what do you do in that band? I play bass in that band. Not very well. well- <laughs> <laughs> Locally, I'm covered by four brilliant musicians behind me. But- it's more of an act than anything else, you know, putting on the accents and frolicking about stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think here. Uh, shift, there's no slang really. I mean, if we would say someone was shifty, you know, that would mean like they're sort of like a sketchy kind of untrustworthy person. Well, I know that saying, yeah, that's that's everywhere. Shifty, a shifty character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it, that's it really. <laughs> well, it's relevant too with the band. Yep. <laughs> We're all very shifty. <laughs> So talk to me then about your live show, because when I listen to your stuff, it's all electronic for the most part, right? So like, what are you doing for the live show? Like, do you have other people there doing things? Or are you just a one-man band? Or what's what's the operation? No, no, it's just me. Um, eventually, I'd maybe like to get someone else, maybe a vocalist, because I'm starting to write for vocals now, just as a way of progression, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the minute, it's, it's very simple, mainly because of the fact that I like the walk to each venue and be able to carry my gear. It's basically just one microcorg synth, a sampler, uh back and track, and I usually have a VHS player there just for for show. Yeah, yeah. I try and work work how to do something with it eventually, but you know, I don't really have that much money to spend on more and more gear, but when I do I'll get more synths and make it a bigger setup. But it's it's relatively simple so far. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, and speaking of walking to venues, tell me about the Grand Social. The Grand Social is a pub and it's a venue in Dublin. Um, I used to work there for a while. I'd done a lot of drawings, visual art on the wall, you might say. I would say that. <laughs> I left there a couple of years back, but I maintained the relationship with the people in there. And uh, I found out Calm Trues was coming to play a gig there. And I, I begged for the support slot of a guy called John Brayton. I must thank him again for that. He gave me the green light to go ahead to support Calm True. So that was a good night, I have to say. Yeah, so tell me about that. So you you played, uh, you were the opening act for Calm Trues. Yeah, I, I got there. It, was, it seemed a bit tired, to be honest. Calm, <laughs> he'd, uh, 
he'd, he'd been touring all over Europe. But yeah, it was a great gig. I got a good crowd for it. And uh, he was amazing, actually. He was really good. The sound system was so good. Like those, those beats, those kicks and snares are really just running right for your body. Not my set, but in his set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you had you had that one track that your buddy told you to write, right? So you had uh... yeah, yeah. That's the only track I have, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you trying to sort of match or sort of like lead into like his set? Like, did you want to? have the same kind of energy or were you just sort of just doing your own thing? I mean, what was going on in your head? Were you just like, what the hell's going on? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, they gave me a really low table to uh, put my gear on. So all, all that was going through my head is my back is really sore right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I done my own thing. I mean, there's not much point in trying the upstage calm truths, to be honest. But I mean, I, I hope my set was satisfactory to the audience that was there. And they seem to enjoy it. Like, I had a lot of visuals. I do my own visuals as well. Like, I have a lot of 80s movies and computer games behind. And people seem to like that more than the music, but <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter to me. He was there watching the, the final third of the set, I think, and he came up and shook my hand afterwards, which is a pretty good moment. I've met him before a few times, you know. He's played Dublin three times, and I've met him the other times. Uh, luckily, I wasn't so drunk this time because uh, <laughs> I remember like, are you going to play that song? Uh, and I couldn't remember the name. And I just said, Reach is a perfect place to pick up girls. And he's like, all right, yeah, broken date. I don't know why I done an English accent. <laughs> but yeah, he's a nice guy. Let's uh, let's try and uh, teach me how to do an Irish accent now. Well, it's pretty tough to do an Irish accent, but doing my accent's even tougher. No one can do it. No one can do it. No one can do it. It's, it's to me. It's like when I hear Irish. It's about the um, there's a tempo to it where the ends of the sentences sort of raise. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Like that's uh, true. So yeah, no one can do it. Try and pronounce it uh, a minimal amount of consonants. But this might help. Every sentence you say, say hi at the end very quickly, as in, "Hey Andy, what's a crack hi?" <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you'll sound a lot more Irish if you say that. <laughs> say that really fast. As fast as you can as well. Wait, what are you saying at the end? Like, hi? Just say hi. Hi? Yeah, say that, yeah. So anything you say, just say, hey, hey, John, what's a crack, hey? Hey, John, what's a crack, hey? There you go, you sound like you're from Derry. Hey, John, what's a crack, hey? <laughs> that's scary, man. That's, that's scarily good. What's a crack, hey? It's, it's kind of creeping me out. You sound <laughs> like one of my friends from Derry. <laughs> so so where is that exactly? This is North Ireland or? Very North of Ireland. Near the very top. Is there different, like, uh, climates? In the different parts of Ireland, or is it small enough that it's all self-contained? It's pretty self-contained. It's not big enough, really, to have separate climates. <laughs> if it's raining now here in Dublin, it's probably raining up north and Derry at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> I know people say there are no stupid questions, but I, uh, I think I just uh, asked one. Anyway, tell me about the new EP. When's that coming out? Uh, the new EP is coming out uh, next month, twelfth uh, of September. Um, it's coming off Future City Records again. And what's uh, what's this one called? Esper Bite. Esperbite, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. What's the crack, I? <laughs> Tell me a bit about that one there. So what's what's your uh, favorite track on this one coming out? There's two tracks that open it. One's called Merc 1 and one is called Merc 2. I have to say Merc 2 is probably the best thing I've written so far. It's a real fast, fast-paced song. It's got a big solo on it and all that. All that jazz.
We're talking merc like mercenaries. Actually, I got it from... There was this old Marvel comic I used to have when I was a kid, and it was called Merc. And that was number one. There was last issue of Merc, and I had it, and I thought it was like worth like loads and loads of money. But then I looked it up recently, and it's worth about ten dollars. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, for some reason, that title just stuck with me, and I just decided to call these two songs name it and name it after that comic book were you like a big comic book guy or was that just something you had around oh yeah i still love comic books i still still do um i used to draw a lot from them right draw spider-man and the x-men and all that what do you do for fun over there in ireland fun jesus i don't know um basically we just sit inside and make uh synth music for fun (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of people doing it here you know and it's, it's got a good reputation. Like one of the biggest bands in Ireland at the minute, they're called The Galaxy. You should check them out if you haven't already heard of them. Uh, they're getting really big. They played a couple of shows in, I think it was Los Angeles recently. Oh, okay. So we're spreading over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, myself and, uh, you've heard of Eddie Hawk, haven't you? Yes. Me and him and another guy called Paul Webster, we run our own night here called uh, Tech Noir. It's a name that's used a lot, that Tech Noir thing. But... Uh, it seems to be getting a good response so far. People are loving it. Is that how he says it? Eddie Hawk? Like that? Eddie Hawk, you'd have to ask him. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard him actually say Eddie Hawk before. <laughs> He's one of those guys I was meaning to talk to as well. I think uh, on an episode I did last year, we, we were sort of playing tracks we liked. And I think it was Sunglasses Kid that sort of brought up the the Eddie Hawk track. Kodachrome, I think. One of, or was that it? Kodachrome Sunday. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great song. Yeah, it's bright. But then I never knew how to say it, so we're... <laughs> Half, half of my show is always dealing with pronunciation, right? Like especially when it's so international, like everybody always has these weird names and and uh, I, I never know how to say them. So I always spend a great deal of time figuring it out. And- <laughs> I was a bit worried you might have pronounced mine wrong, but you got it. Got it to the T. Well, how uh, how could it be mistaken? Rune, maybe? Rune? <laughs> John well, Rune. That looks like Rooney to me. John Rooney. <laughs> oh, no one has ever called me John Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> What's the crack, I? <laughs> Yeah, so we're getting that going here. And we had a big gig there recently. Actually, last Saturday, we got... Uh, there's a guy called Laser Tom. He's very he's well worth checking out. And a band called Sleep Thieves. And uh, Eddie Hawk played as well. Apparently, it was a great gig. I couldn't go. I had to play at a wedding with Shift. I'm confused then about Shift. So, is it called The Shifters? Or is it called Shift? See, the thing is, we're all the same guys, but we double up as two bands, if you know what I mean. So, we'd uh, usually go on as The Shifters first. And we dress up in, like... 50s greaser gear oh so it's a big okay it's a whole to do right it's a big and act. then they walk off stage and then you come back in as the shift or shift yeah we shift yeah we come on as shift then They'll usually do a lot of raised eyebrows but it seems they always go down pretty well <laughs> <laughs> that's a really funny idea i like that i was telling you we were doing a video shoot there the other night mm-hmm. um you should keep an eye on that i mean it'll be a few months before it's all done but uh it ought to be pretty funny. It looked really professional. I was so surprised. Yeah, it was like a bunch of lads just wanted to do a video with us for some reason. Mm-hmm. And they hired all this professional equipment and we shot in some back alley in the middle of Dublin. We were there at about six, and o- six o'clock in the morning. It got a bit scary, but uh, it was good crack all the same. So- <laughs> <laughs> And you talked earlier about the synth night that you do with uh, Eddie Hawk and some others, but how, how did that come about? Eddie Hawk was in touch with Paul. Paul loves synth music as well. He's a DJ. He just was trying to get it together, trying to get a night going. And he actually got a place, a place called the Twisted Pepper. And they asked for Eddie Hawk to help him out, maybe DJ a few tracks. And then I was in touch with Eddie Hawk. Kieran is his name. And he said, do you want to take part in this? And I said, yeah, of course. Sounds brilliant. 
We started off in a very small room. I mean, it must have been about five by five meters. It was very small, but we uh, packed the place out one night. It was amazing, mainly because the gig next door canceled and everybody spilled over the R, the R room. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't seem to realize that they really, really like some music. There was a load of drunk people came in and like, as long as they have a steady beat, they seem to be happy, but they seem to be like, they actually came up and asked what type of music this is and when he's DJing again and stuff. It was, it was really, it was an honor. Well, that's cool, man. So what, uh, what do you have uh, coming up? I have a single release now on the 19th of August. It's all, it's all been professionally scheduled here. Mm-hmm. The EP will be out on the 12th of September and then I've got a big, a big launch gig in Dublin on the 19th, I think, Friday the 19th of September. If anybody wants to come along this will air after that <laughs> just in case should i uh, just say something like oh it was a great show andy oh thousands <laughs> of people turned up it's fantastic yeah so <laughs> so how was your show man that show that happened last week out of this world andy yeah. out of this world who would have thought calm trees would have turned up for it yeah 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 <laughs> calm Trees supported me he was just there playing the 808 cowbell on one of the keyboards in the background <laughs> it's always good for yeah <laughs> I hope it should go well anyway. It should, I mean, because of the fact it's a pretty small venue and it's easy to pack. I've had a lot of good experiences playing live so far. It's been, it's very good. I'd recommend it. It's not that hard to get yourself set up and just play a wee live set, you know? Just a good way of connecting with a, with an audience. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's it's exciting now that more people are doing it. Yeah. It's hard to sort of spread the word if it's all sort of producers making music that just like other producers are hearing. And, you know, you really got to do, you got to go out there and... Uh, and do the work, as it were. Not that there's anything wrong with just doing releasing music, like, but no, 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 there is. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I just, I like, uh, I like saying this sort of uh, motivational stuff so that people uh, go like, "Hey, man, I'll, I'll, I'll go do that." You know. Meanwhile, I would never do anything live. I just. <laughs> because <laughs> I get people to like, oh, you do like a Beyond Synth live or whatever. I'm like, fuck no, like. <laughs> This, this, <laughs> Jesus, you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> this show is so heavily edited. Like, I know if, if ever I did a live show, that's when, like, all of a sudden you just accidentally, like, say something racist. And then, like, <laughs> oh, can't take that back, you know, like. <laughs> oh, I better, I better not say anything racist then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, it was uh, it was good talking to you. It's been a pleasure, Andy. Nice to meet you, John Rooney, a.k.a. Hur. <laughs> what are those two dots called again? Is that an umlaut? Umla or something. I don't know how you even pronounce that, but yeah. Umla or omla or something. I really should have researched that more, to be honest. Who did the uh, the artwork on the cover of the first one? Um, I don't know, actually. That's actually my face. Ooh. Not, not because I really like my own face, but uh, I needed a real contrasty head-on shot, so I just had to take a photo of my own face and then work around it. Right, right, right. So that's what, actually what I look like. Oh, there you in go. In real life. <laughs> Some people say uh, it looked like, what do you call that guy with the big stretchy arms in Street Fighter? Is it Dali or? Uh, Dalsim. Dalsim. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dali. Some people thought him. <laughs> Dali. There you go. Edit that out. <laughs> It's Salvador Dali, man. He's uh, he's one of the hidden characters. <laughs> I wonder what his special power would be. He'd be throwing melting clocks. <laughs> Obviously, he'd throw the clock and then he'd yell like "melting clock" or something. And then he'd he's got that mustache, right? <laughs> Dali had that mustache, so that would be a thing. And uh, his background, his hometown would be well, obviously Spain in an art gallery. There'd be lots of like pretentious artists. Yeah. And... <laughs> Spain. <laughs> That'd be a funny idea for a thing, actually. Let's get it going. A, a fighting game full of all like famous artists. You know, like Picasso would be like shooting triangles at people and stuff. <laughs> Can I do the soundtrack? Yes. Brilliant. Done. Let's sort it out. <laughs>
Anyways, dude, you have a lovely uh, Irish day. Hope the the sun comes out. And same to you, only with Canadian in the place of uh, Irish. Yeah. <laughs> What's the crack eye? <laughs> Well, and uh, all, all the bestie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all the bestie, hi. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds so awesome. It's very, uh, it's like a jovial sounding language. <laughs> language, it's English. I mean, uh, accent, you know what I mean? It's. Uh... I wouldn't let that fool you. I'm absolutely miserable. <laughs> it was very enjoyable. Thanks very much. Yeah, no problem, man. And that was Hower. That was a lot of fun. Um, thank you for listening. Please tune in to the next episode. Uh, as a little reminder, don't forget to follow Andy Last on Twitter. Please like the Beyond Synth Facebook page. Please follow the Beyond Synth SoundCloud. And you have yourselves a lovely day. Oh, and if you want to friend me, you can friend me on Facebook. I'm Andy Synth on Facebook. I will be your friend. Because if you like this show... I am your friend. What's the crack, eye?